Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Smith Island Baking Company podcast. I am Brian Murphy, and I am still the founder, president, head, door-to-door cake salesman, and chief spreadsheet cowboy for the Smith Island Baking Company. We're back for another episode. Thank you so much for listening. I recorded our first episode on March 29th, which seems like an eternity ago, but the hope was to record a new podcast every few weeks on different topics that you might find interesting. How we operate the bakery, how we launch new flavors, how we think about packaging design, Joy would talk about website design, e-commerce, how we manage the business as a family, and even get our kids involved, give their insights. But that was before COVID-19. On March 30th, Governor Hogan issued his stay-at-home order, and suffice it to say, 2020 hasn't really gone according to plan. Well, said pretty much all of the world's almost 8 billion people. So I can't believe it's already June 9th, or by my COVID math, today is the 101st day of March. It's as if the world stood still but sort of. And it reminds me of my favorite museum in London, a thing called the Churchill War Rooms. It's, if you ever have the chance to go, it's a real treat. I highly recommend it. They're located beneath the Treasury Building in the Whitehall section of London, a place called Westminster. And construction began in 1938, and the war rooms were used from August 1939 until August 1945. In May 1940, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill declared, this is the room from which I will direct the war. And they were manned around the clock during the Second World War period, and when the war was over, they just turned off the lights and left. And there they are, perfectly preserved today. And they comprised these hidden underground bunkers that at the time housed 115 cabinet meetings. They have sleeping quarters. They have this map room that's really fascinating when you consider today's technology. They relied on printed paper maps on the wall with pushpins and that was to track the freight and military vessel movements. You can see the constant rotation of pin marks, and it makes me wonder, you know, how'd they know where ships really were? Do they use radio, airplanes, other ships, submarines? What was even the range of an airplane? They had this telephone switchboard room where they could make uh, secure phone calls, and they even had this amazing uh, special room for just Winston Churchill so he could speak with U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt. And they've all been perfectly preserved since the war underneath the busy streets of London. And I think the reason I like them the most is they represent an accidental museum. It's fascinating to see where Churchill and everyone else in that time lived and where they worked, and there's a very real possibility that not only these rooms would be destroyed, but that they would lose the war. And the fact it's been preserved is is just so fascinating to me. And it's as if someone hit the pause button on a chapter in history. And I think the same thing kind of happened this year, but sort of. Never before in human history have we attempted a mass quarantine, a global quarantine of healthy people. But schools were canceled. Some businesses were shut down. uh, Travel was restricted. Sporting events were canceled. Seasons were called off. Graduations were canceled or scaled down. Funerals were limited. Virtually all religious gatherings were prohibited. Almost all gatherings of any kind were prohibited. But in other ways, life went on, because it has to. It's life. Births, deaths, weddings, graduations, funerals, they all still happened, just differently. And from a business standpoint, it was fascinating to see how e-commerce went from being a convenience to a necessity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. People, especially those in large urban areas and those most vulnerable, Well, they were concerned about their safety, and obtaining essential items, especially food, was a great concern. 
it became an issue of safety for them, their loved ones, and it was amazing to see how it accelerated all the trends we already saw happening in commerce. On a personal note, I know this is a really scary time for all of you guys. Uh, I talked to customers all over the country who were worried about their their kids, their grandparents, their loved ones, um, and I hope everybody did the best they could and, and made it through somewhat sane. Uh, for Joy, me, and the kids, it was a big adjustment. It was really hard to be suddenly home without any obligations for the family besides our work and immediate family. Uh, we have a very big, large, active family, but once we got in the spirit of it, it was actually kind of nice. It, it was like the first time I ever went to Smith Island back in 2009. Well, at first, not having a cell phone or email, that was really annoying. But pretty soon you kind of realized how freeing it was to just be able to focus on what you were doing and, and get rid of those distractions. Well, that was kind of what it was like for us. Um, Joy and I are early risers, and we get up around 5.30 or so, and we typically enjoy coffee before we hit the ground, ground running. Uh, but during the quarantine, suddenly our kids didn't have the same obligations, and Joy and I didn't have the same social obligations. So we just spent a ton of time together. We enjoyed a lot of family dinners, family board games. Well, that's not exactly true. I don't really like board games. But I do like chess. We played a lot of chess. Uh, we had plenty of quantity and quality time. And it overlaps. We're Catholic, and the quarantine happened during the season of Lent. So as a family, we actually got more into Lent and prayer than we've ever been before. And that was a really nice thing for us. Now, normally we go to the Basilica in D.C. on Christmas and Easter, and I will admit it was really emotional and hard for all of us to kind of not have that this year. It was very sad. But Joy and I also realized how important it was for us to be the primary educators of our children. Now they go to school, they play sports, they have friends, but they live in our house. And we realized even more how much they look to us and rightfully so. You know, we did projects around the house. Joy did tons of gardening, arts and crafts. And I love to cook and I love when I give the family the gift of a great meal and the kids love to eat. So we ate even more meals together, especially on weekends. It was interesting, too, during Lent, uh, we started praying the family rosary every day and often in Latin. I love Latin. And there's a guy named Father Patrick Payton, an Irish priest in the 20th century. Now, he was known as the rosary priest, but he popularized two phrases you may have heard. The family that prays together stays together, but also a world at prayer is a world at peace. And we definitely need prayer and peace right now. So hopefully through our prayers, we can prove the first one to be true as we work towards the second. Now, as a business, this has been a hectic time of adjustment as well. We're a small company and first and foremost, we take the health of our employees and our customers very, very seriously. And we have fewer than a dozen employees, but of those employees, we have some whose spouses are first responders. Employees who have spouses who have immune uh, compromised situations. We have employees who have compromised immune systems themselves. So we've been following guidelines closely, maintaining social distance at work. We wear masks and gloves. We clean often. We try to use common sense. And I even built a really cool plexiglass barricade between two stations that are normally only a few feet apart at the bakery. Now, we have four business lines. Three were affected negatively, and one was actually affected positively. I'll talk about that now. So the storefront, which is still shut down and only open for curbside pickup, well, that went almost to zero. Our direct-to-restaurant sales went to zero. Our wholesale and food service and catering sales all went to zero. I mean, these things were all shut down. We have customers that currently owe us thousands of dollars. 
but I don't bother calling them. What am I going to say? And what are they going to say? They were forced to shut down. They've been in a tough spot and they've got a tough road ahead, but we're going to work through it together like we always have. But what's really interesting is our online business really grew. Traffic was up and more people, for the reasons I said before, are buying food online. Every trend we saw in the U.S. has been accelerated. When we started in 2009, it was with the customer experience in mind. We knew we could make the best cakes in the country, and our goal was to get them directly to our customers. We want to be America's corner bakery. Well, thanks to improvements in shipping and packaging to websites and credit card payments, we can now efficiently and effectively deliver elegant made-from-scratch desserts right to a customer's door in a timely way. Well, we started with large and small Smith Island cakes. We've expanded that into homemade fudge, ice cream, and cake bites. And we're still confident that our quality is unmatched, our customer service is excellent. And I was speaking with a customer a few weeks ago from California. He shops with us all the time. He said he buys from us and he has for years because he doesn't have a bakery near him that he feels is able to match our quality. And that's, that's really humbling. But he says he also buys our cakes for his loved ones for the convenience, for the same reason for them and for special occasions. Well, people have been shipping food for almost 100 years, but it's still a bit of a novelty relative to the overall economy. When COVID-19 first happened, that convenience, as I said before, became a necessity. People now had to feed themselves, but they want to send gifts to loved ones who were literally isolated. They were concerned with their safety and for that of their friends and loved ones, and they wanted a touch-free experience, and we were able to deliver that. Now, retail and online consumption purchasing have increased significantly, but this puts even more pressure on companies with a physical storefront or a huge portion of their business through that to innovate. Customers demand expedience, convenience, and now safety. And this is a non-linear function. It's non-binary. It's not like every storefront company is going to go out of business. They can thrive if they evolve like we all have to. In 2010, just 10 years ago, the U.S. Census Bureau said that online sales accounted for only 4% of all retail transactions. In the first quarter of this year, 2020, that number has tripled to 12%. Total consumption for those the first quarter of this year was $1.36 trillion, and e-commerce was $160 billion. Now, we're still in the second quarter, but it'll be fascinating to see how big of an effect this lockdown has had on e-commerce when we get that data in a few weeks. The biggest trend I see, and the one that I want to make sure that we are always on the right side of, is that the talent is taking over. And here's what I mean. When I was in college, I remember talking with a cornerback who played for Maryland's football team. I played soccer and he played football and we were kind of, you know, just chatting one day. And he told me a story about they were playing Florida State, who at the time was a perennial national power. And Maryland's up at halftime, maybe 10 to 3 or something. And a wide receiver for Florida State lined up with him at the start of the second half and said, hey, man, good first half. Congratulations. But now's when the talent takes over. And he gave the cornerback a patronizing pat in the shoulder, and Florida State proceeded to, to win the game handily. But it reminds me of this current moment where the talent, those are the people who make something. They deliver something. They add value to a product. They add value to an experience. They provide a service better than anybody else. And this doesn't have to be an online business. It could be a car wash, a bakery, a consulting firm, UPS. You could be a middleman, but you have to be really good at it. Everyone has to stay in their lane and try to add as much value to the consumer experience as possible. We all know that if you do, 
the customers will reward you. Now, I studied economics as an undergraduate, and I spent 10 years involved in North American and global energy markets when I worked for Constellation Energy, and then I earned my MBA. But I will say the best lesson I ever learned in economics was operating a tiny bakery on a remote island in the Chesapeake Bay for seven years. It showed me actually how GDP works. GDP is gross domestic product. It's a loose measure of the size of an economy. It comprises all dollars spent on four main things, consumption, investment, government spending, and net exports, or C plus I plus G plus NX. Now, consumption drives the economy. Investment, people buying you know, freezers and fridges and trucks, those are all made based on the expectation of consumption, government spending, and net exports. And net exports are based on a bunch of things, assuming you have a healthy relationship with your neighbors. They trust you, you trust them. They trust the checks will clear, the laws are enforced, whether it's another state or another country. Now, Smith Island has an aging and declining population. For their economy to grow, they rely on imported dollars through tourists and exported dollars through crab meat, cakes, etc. NX. Well, we have a declining population in the Western world. Well, people have decided to have fewer children and we're barely maintaining replacement levels. Same thing happening in Western Europe. Now, people are trying to solve that with immigration, but it has the same effect on growing GDP, but in a different way. It increases consumption for your country and therefore investment and government spending, but it potentially reduces net exports because if all the people from one country leave and come to your country, you're not going to export to them anymore. They're going to buy it in your country. And you got to make sure there's balance in your immigration. If all of the highly skilled laborers come from one country to another, then it's going to create a mismatch, just like if all the unskilled workers come. Now, the ideal scenario would be to foster thriving economies all over the country, all over the world, uh, people having children, economies growing, and immigration would be, of course, it's, it's vital, but it's not a necessity because people can actually make a living in their own home. And if all the talent pe talented people stay where they are, their country will thrive, the other countries will thrive, and everyone's better off. And I really believe that in America, we have two groups of people, the haves and the soon-to-haves. All people, thanks to our rule of law and our system of government, have the opportunity for prosperity, and the average net present value, the, the lifetime earning of a person, is positive. Now, Joy and I see our kids first and form foremost as children of God, as people with immeasurable worth, eternal worth. They're not mouths to feed or naked people to clothe. I mean, they are, especially when they're young. But we see them as people that will add value to our family and, quite frankly, make everybody richer, both in spiritual terms but in financial terms. And quite frankly, if you have kids just to make money, you'll be better off. Over time, they will make money, they'll take care of you. And from a practical standpoint, if you just want to make money on in the world's eyes, get married, have tons of kids. People and their free choices drive business, and businesses find the best and cheapest ways to deliver what the customers want. This creates innovation, and it's a cycle that keeps feeding on itself through this interaction. A company is just a group of people established by their free consent for the purpose of making a good or a service, which they hope to sell for more than it costs them to make it. We read from the left to the right in our country, and that's also how I think. So let's take this example of three companies from left to right the Smith Island Baking Company, General Electric, and Google. Well, somebody owns the company. Someone makes the stuff, and then someone markets it. And then someone distributes it, kind of finds a way to get it to the end customer. 
Now, each of these three companies has products they make and eventually sell. Cakes, airplane engines, advertisements. For the components of the products, they're either done by the company or the company hires people to do it for them. But eventually, these products are made and they have a target home, a customer. And once that product has that customer, the intended buyer, they're distributed. I call this the fuzzy middle. And that's where companies like Amazon and online retailers are really disrupting the bricks and mortar. In the past, companies make things, they ship it to a store, and the customer comes to the store. But all of a sudden, now that middle has been contracted because you can buy it directly through your smartphone and have it shipped to your door. We have decided not to sell our cakes to grocery stores because they're very, very labor-intensive and they're very heavy and they're very expensive. So we've decided to go directly to our customers. Now, it takes longer to build that network of customers, but over time, it's showing to be the right thing. Uh, this morning, I was emailing with a customer from Washington, D.C., who's bought 24 cakes since 2018. We have a nationwide following, and it's humbling. In 2019, more than 70% of our transactions were from repeat customers. They bought from us before. They're doing it again. That means my team and I, we're doing something right, and we want to keep it going. But this is not the time to become complacent. We're going to keep innovating, keep improving the simplicity and the value for the customer. There's a great line in golf. The secret of golf is to do something in two strokes that normally takes three. Well, the secret of e-commerce is to do something in two clicks that normally takes three. Make their life simple. Solve a problem. We are a manufacturing company. We produce high-quality, made-from-scratch baked goods, but we also are a service company. So interaction with the customers is very, very important. Several years ago, I was invited to a business roundtable at the White House when President Obama was president, and I met an entrepreneur from Kansas. He ran a tech technology incubator, very popular idea. And he tried to explain to me what his business model was. And I'm a big believer that if you can't explain something in just a few sentences, you probably don't know what you're talking about. Well, the gist was that he tried to find talented entrepreneurs. He didn't have any money himself or expertise, but he knew people with expertise and money. And they would give their money and expertise to these people he'd find. And then as they'd grow their companies over time, he'd get paid for the investments other people made with their time and talent on this other person's company. And to be honest, listen, there's a lot of guys who've made a billion dollars doing it, but I didn't want to bet on that. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders and looks at me like I'm stupid. He says, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I take flour, sugar, butter, milk, eggs, vanilla. I heat it. I, my bakers and I bake it. We ship it and we charge more than it costs us. He kind of shrugged his shoulders. He was unimpressed. But now we live on the left side of the continuum I just described. We make things. We make them beautiful. We make them delicious. And we love serving our customers. Now, adding in the value in the middle can be done, but it's getting tougher and tougher every day. For example, last night, my daughter needed new running shoes. She's a great athlete and she likes Adidas. They fit her feet well. They don't hurt her back or her shins. It's a good fit. So she's on my phone looking for a new pair of Adidas. Well, she found them on a dozen sites, but what site do you think finally had the best supply, the best price? Adidas.com. I rest my case. And during the pandemic, we've done our best to keep up with demand at smithislandcake.com. Instead of selling 100 cakes to restaurants, we're now selling 100 cakes to individuals around the country. So it's a different motion for us. It's harder to ship specific orders. This guy wants a red velvet. This guy wants ice cream. This guy wants birthday candles, as opposed to just loading up a pallet. It's a different motion but I think it's where we want to be. Our team has never been better, and they're positive, they're extremely talented, and frankly, the quality of our products has never been better. Our largest growth actually has come from our ice cream business, cake and ice cream. 
Now, people always wonder how you ship cake and ice cream frozen with dry ice. They go perfectly together. We make the ice cream in-house, and it's seamless. And our chef, he's exceptionally talented. Our ice cream recipes are awesome. We have a lot of flavors. And I feel like our greatest competitor is still just ignorance. People don't think you can ship ice cream. But we can, and we do. And once they give us the chance, the overwhelming majority keep coming back. We also launch a bunch of new flavors of ice cream and cakes. We're just launching a maple, brown sugar, and candied bacon cake for Father's Day. Now, my chef introduced the idea of Chef Garrett years ago of a bacon ice cream. And I kind of shrugged my shoulders, but he was serious. And we let it go. And recently, we brought up the idea again. And everybody really loved the idea. I talked to a lot of people that I trust. And they love it. They made a sample cake with candied bacon. We devoured it. It was really good. It's now on our website. I've talked about the trends I saw during the pandemic in commerce, but there's also an increase in the trend I saw in social media. I try to stay off social media. It is such a negative place, such a, so polarizing. And the last few months, it's only gotten worse. Now, Raymond, our facility manager, says that hate is the only poison in the world that you drink it, hoping to kill somebody else. Such wise words. We think the best way to change the world is to love our families, take care of our customers and employees, help our community, and keep making great cakes. And we're just going to stay in our lane. And besides the growth in e-commerce and an increased negativity on social media, there's one more thing that I think alarmed all of us when we saw it. The United States was passed recently by China as the largest manufacturer in the world. And the implications of that didn't really come home until we suddenly realized none of our medicines and none of our protective equipment are made here. I understand that we have a service economy, but I think when our eyes were open to the fact that when our kids get sick and we can't actually make the stuff in the country to heal them, that is terrifying. In college, I studied economics. And what I learned about crop subsidies, and that's the idea as an economist, you'll subsidize an industry that you want to keep, but I'm thinking, why would I pay somebody not to farm? And then I thought of that about it for maybe three seconds and realized, do you really want to live in a country where you can't make your own food? Well, that's the reality of how we're living today. And could you imagine the real and lasting boom if we took all we've learned, all the innovation, and brought all that manufacturing home? We had a tight labor market before the pandemic. And if we do this right, our economy really will be bigger, stronger, and more sustainable than ever before. Now, the service portion of our economy was forced to pause, and it will come back different, but stronger than ever. And yesterday, the WHO confirmed with the CDC that asymptomatic spread is really unlikely. That means it's not as contagious as we thought, which is great news. That means we can keep reopening, use common sense, and let people get back to the business of living and thriving. As for us, we couldn't be more excited at the Smith Island Baking Company. The internet will continue to connect people, and we will continue to innovate our products, packaging, our website to deliver the best possible customer experience. Because without our customers, we don't have a company, and we remember that every day. And as for Joy and me, we're going to keep investing in our kids, and I might even learn to like board games. Till next time, thank you so much for listening. Godspeed, God bless, and we'll be talking to you soon.